You're listening to the Plain Label Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Plain Label Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Williams, and along with me is my good friend and co-host, Rachel Zeleg. It's Rachel Ponyboy Z-Lag to you. <laughs> In this episode, we begin a long journey deep into the wilderness of Axe body spray, sparkly vampires, hair grease, prostitution, and more, as we attempt to stay gold, Mrs. Z-Lag, with a discussion of young adult movies in the 80s and the films The Outsiders and Risky Business. Before getting into our discussion, we would like to mention that we are proud members of the Deliberate Noise Network. You can check out more shows by checking out Deliberate Noise Network in your podcast app. And we are also sponsored by Blue Apron. Blue Apron delivers all the fresh ingredients and recipes that you need in exactly the right proportions to make simple, seasonal, home-cooked meals. New recipes are created each week by Blue Apron's culinary team, so you'll learn to cook with new ingredients. You'll learn to cook, Rachel. Cuisines and cooking <laughs> techniques. Meals are five to eight, 500 to 800 calories. They start at 874 per serving. You can also choose vegetarian, classic, or family plan options. And if you want to add some wine, Blue Apron can do that as well. Shipping oh. is always free. Discover a better way to cook. So, Mrs. Zeleg, let's yeah. talk about some grown-up drinks. What are you What are you imbibing on this eve when you work tomorrow? Right. So, um, I, you know, I thought I was going to be cooler about it, and I, I put it off for a while. Um, but last week I had my first pumpkin beer. <laughs> and so I was at the store the other day, and I was like, yup, and I just got some Sam Adams Oktoberfest. So mm-hmm. that's kind of, and the pumpkin beer I had that I start, like the first one I had was not great. And I was really just sad that it's almost like it was like my special flower, you know, mm-hmm. and I like gave it to somebody who didn't appreciate it as much as they could have. Um, so I know <laughs> Sam Adams will never let me down. <laughs> oh man, that got, that got real weird real quick. Okay. So as of recording, uh, we are just mere weeks away from the, uh, time honored tradition that Rachel goes to the Octo Beer Fest. It's actually next week. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, uh, as of, re- you know, as of release date, it'll be weeks ago. So people won't get this, but it's exciting because I will be there this time. Oh my gosh, are you actually coming? I'm actually coming. The wife, as you refer to me to my wife, uh, yeah. will be in attendance. Oh, I know that. I knew she was going to no, be no, there. No, no, no. What you call her, I'm apparently the wife, is what you call my wife. Because you say to my wife, you say to an L, you say, is the wife coming? And that <laughs> sort of thing. Meaning Listen, me. She needs to stop telling our secret friend stories. Because <laughs> she'll say... Uh, I said, what do you think about that wife? We're talking about going to October or Oktoberfest. And she goes, you know, that's what Rachel calls you. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Have you ever been to Oktoberfest? No, I've never been. Oh my God. It's like Christmas and Thanksgiving all put together. It's so amazing. Mm-hmm. It's just a giant building of all of the like food places you'd ever want to go. And then all of the beers that you'd ever want to drink. And you just... They give you a cute little mug when you walk in and you just run around like an asshole for four hours and drink all the free beer you want. Wow. So, 
It's so great. It sounds <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So let's talk about what I'm having drinking. Oh, sorry. I, yeah. Um, I'm having not beer. Sucker. Yeah. So instead of having beer, I'm having some wine and it is, it is called Seven Moons Red Blend. And this is a first time for me. And the description of it is, goes like this. Seven Moons Red Blend, which is kind of hard for me to say, yeah. celebrates the phases of the moon by combining seven grape varietals into a smooth, fruity, easy-to-drink wine. Uncork a bottle, pour a glass, and find connection in the moonlight. Ooh. Uh, talking and, about getting real real quick. <laughs> and the seven types are Syrah Merlot, Petite Syrah, Zinfandel, some Cab Sav, some Malbec, and some Grenache. So and, it's like when you're at McDonald's and you do a suicide exactly. on the pop machine. God, way to steal my joke. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. <laughs> and anyway, anyway, it's it's 13.5% by volume, so it's a stout. It's a stout little guy. Interesting, though. Yeah, yeah. and it's so, on I mean, sale like, in Hy-Vee, so. On a scale of 1 to 10, what would you give it? Mm, let's see. First drink, probably... Ooh, I'm I'm thinking like a six or a seven at least. Really? It's pretty good. I didn't know you could mix the grapes together. I've I've had wine like probably twelve times in my entire life, so oh, yeah. so that Oh man. I'm not a fancy gal. Things are explained. <laughs> Reasons are given. Alright, so uh that's what we're having beverage wise. That's our new sponsor. That's a whole lot of nonsense. Let's go ahead and get into our discussion. Both of these came out in 1983. We're talking about mine because mine's more important. Fair. <laughs> it is from 1983. It is The Outsiders. The Outsiders. Pony Boy, Dallas, Johnny, Cherry, Soda Pop, Daryl, Two Bit, Steve, Bob. Essie Hetton's classic novel comes to the screen, capturing all the intensity, all the excitement, all the emotions of youth. The Outsiders, directed by Francis Coppola. <laughs> I just like, sorry, I just read the first three. Okay. <laughs> Tulsa, Oklahoma, 1965. Like Mr. Movie Phone. Mm-hmm. 14-year-old Pony Pony Boy Curtis is the youngest of three orphaned brothers who live on the north side of town, the wrong side of the tracks. Sensitive Pony Boy used to have a good relationship with his oldest brother, Daryl, but since Daryl became the household caregiver, he's always on Pony Boy's case. Mm. Caught in the middle is third brother, Soda Pop, who dropped out of school to work full-time. They all belong to the Greasers, a gang of boys from the north side, also from working-class families, often broken. (laughs) Pony Boy's main concern is that any problem they may encounter, especially in their greaser activities, will lead to the authorities splitting up their family. 
He also believes Daryl would have outgrown them and become something in his life if it wasn't for his loyalty to the gang and the need to take care of his family. The rest of the world sees the Greasers as all the same, the face being Dallas Winston, the most volatile one who has just been released. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> all right. Yeah, so that was interesting. So I, I wonder if they're from the wrong side of the tracks or from the north side of the tracks, because that was fairly clear. North side of town, wrong side of the tracks. That's right. So, that's right. I don't know if it's like a weird diagonal thing or I don't know if it's like a lot of weird addresses going on. Yeah. So this is, um, well, that we should, we should say this is Rachel's theme. This is a thing that she put, uh, some good amount of work into in terms of making a list and checking it twice. Ooh, yes, exactly. God, you are, you are right in my level right now <laughs> for the jokes. So. <laughs> just a little bit quicker than me just a half step mm-hmm. so she's been uh putting together all of these movies and the dates and alphabetizing and organizing and all of that kind of thing right it's the data and um so these are this is what we're going to do we're going to start with the 80s and we're going to move on by decades so you know we're going to have quite the long discussion about young adult films so what is it about uh the young adult genre in general that you decided to choose some of these movies and and this sort of uh, theme in general before we get into the outsiders um honestly because, because I, I mean we've been doing this show for six years like is this a theme that we've just kind of missed for a long time that you've really been wanting to talk about or what no i've actually avoided it on yeah. purpose um a lot of that's just, this isn't fair some young adult things that i come into contact with I just, it's like too much for me. It's like very after school special or it's very dramatic, which when you're 13, like it's perfect, but I'm not 13. I just act like a 13 year old boy sometimes. <laughs> um, so like if I, you know, and I, I told you like I, I buy books just from um, what the cover looks like. Sometimes I never read what they're about and I've gotten burned on young adult books before. Where I'm like, Oh God, this is not, this is a young adult book. And some of them have been, good and some of them have been terrible um so i wanted to try and kind of try to find the best of young adult movies um because there are good ones mm-hmm. a lot of them are horrible um but <laughs> some of them are good and so that's kind of what i wanted to talk about like i usually avoid it but I, i've i've seen some of them that recently too that are pretty good so that's why i thought maybe we could See what what we come up with. Yeah, a lot of the horrible ones you'll find out that have been selected have been selected by me. So we'll get to some <laughs> that I'm like, oh man, you know, it'll it'll go back to kind of our first theme of this uh, this volume where the shoulda coulda woulda, to where a lot of them have really good premises, and the execution is awful. Yeah, and I think that's definitely something that I want to talk through too. Is like, um. But also keeping in mind that these aren't for me, mm-hmm. you know, so sometimes that's hard for me to do because everything should be for me. I don't understand. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the world right. should be catered to you. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. And so, um, you know, when I do like eye rolls and stuff where stuff is spoon fed, well, when you're 13, sometimes you need that. And so, like, uh, I want to, like, talk about it as we see them now, but as maybe you would see them as a younger kid too. Yeah. Well, one so. of the things that I, I'm going to do throughout this is uh, I'm going to, I'm going to pick and choose. Uh, obviously the second film, I didn't 
do this with, but I'm going to watch a lot of them with Anna. Okay. Uh, and she's 10, and so she's just a little under, you know, she's not quite to the tween age. Um, so she's just a little bit under the age that these people are generally going for. Right. And so some of them, like I'll, I'm just going to kind of look and see or, you know, the outsiders I knew. So I figured that was okay. Just with a little bit of language, but otherwise it's not, it's not too intense. And then right. the other one, the other one's general theme is not really no, <laughs> appropriate uh, for no. her, for being Pass. a 10 year old. So I, thing, I, I, watched, I watched them with Brad. So it's kind of the same. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> emotional maturity is about the same <laughs> so yeah to get her take on it like you know sometimes the 80s stuff might go a little above her head where she's like i don't know why that's relevant but yeah it could be and and this is one that we're not going to talk about i don't think but she really likes uh the never-ending story like that's a, a movie that she really appreciates oh, nice nice and so she's uh you know she's she's watched enough 80s stuff that the sort of 80s of it all doesn't really bother her. Yeah, got it. So, all right, so let's talk about The Outsiders. So this is obviously based on the uh, S.E. Hinton novel that I know that I read when I was in middle school and where I student taught, they were still uh, teaching it in middle school. And one of the things when I taught in middle school last year that I was sort of disappointed by was that they this wasn't on the particular curriculum for eighth grade. And I was like, oh, dang, because I was hoping to to teach this book. Sure. Uh, so it's one that I'm that I'm pretty familiar with. Although it's like, I watched the movie and was like, "Geez, I don't quite remember this as well as I thought I did." Uh, yeah, agreed. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, so it's a it's a story that I guess I've known for a little while. What about you? Did you read this in middle school as well? I didn't. This um, we didn't read in middle school. Oh um, really? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, small town Nebraska, I never right, know. Right, right. We just learned farming. Um, <laughs> in line supposed dancing. to be English. No, this is agriculture. We just... Right, right. Um, no, it was just like, you know, depending on where you went, we we read Lord of the Flies or something like that. Oh, yeah. okay. And so this was just one where I had to, um, like, you know, read later down the road where, of course, I'm the list person. So I'm like, oh, this is one that is on a list somewhere that I didn't get to. And so... Um, I actually didn't read it very long ago. I want to say like five years ago, maybe. Mm, it's on a banned book list I saw. Why? I think because of what uh, the Karate Kid does. I guess. Karate? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> because Ralph Macchio killing one of the Soshas, I think is what it. I think is what it is. Uh, okay. Well, um, people need to calm down. Anyway. Um, so even five years ago, I was like, I don't know if I remember all of that happening. Like I remember some of the bigger pieces of it, but anyway, so mm-hmm. that's where I am with that. And this is the first time I'd seen the movie. Oh, okay. So this is the second time that I've seen the movie. Cause I did, I knew that I'd seen it once and I, it must've been in middle school because I knew it was forever ago. Okay. And which would be middle school for me. Right. Yeah. And, and I knew <laughs> Of the sort of brat pack cast that was in there, I knew. Exactly. Yeah, I age. knew Tom Cruise was there. I knew it was Emilio Estevez, and I knew it was Patrick Swayze. You know, and I knew Rob Lowe was in it. So I knew most of the main people that were that were in it. And of course, I knew of the Stay Gold Pony Boy stuff. Right. Um, and so the actual storyline, I was like, well, I know they run away, and I know that there's a fire, and I know Ralph Macchio, spoiler, dies. Right. 
Right. And that's basically what happened. I don't remember the Matt Dillon stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about Matt Dillon. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so that's vaguely, I like, I remember the church and I I thought they were at the church for longer. It seemed like in the book, but I mean, mm-hmm. it could have just been that I'm a slow reader or something. Who knows? Um, so yeah, that was basically what I got as well. Okay. So what did you think of the movie then watching it? Uh, <laughs> there, there were a lot of, um, there was a lot of emotion going on. Uh, <laughs> I love that. That's the way that you lead. That's perfect. <laughs> uh wow. Um and, and it's kind of like I like the dialogue because from what I remember of the book, you know, it's written by a 14-year-old and so mm-hmm. it's really kind of got that um 14-year-old dialogue going and yeah, the, I think it was very they, earnest, yes. Yeah, they they stayed true to that a little bit. Um there were some um very dramatic scenes that um I mean, there there was some real shit going on in this movie, you know, yeah, like yeah. things are happening. It was just uh, very di- directed, very dramatically. How about that? Mm-hmm. Like we did a lot of face close-ups, a oh, lot, yes, yes. and knife close-ups, and yes. knife um, button pushing, knife coming out close-ups. <laughs> so, right. just in case you didn't realize that the knife, that's what it was. It's so, a knife, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I thought it was a you know, it was an okay movie. It was, from what I know, fairly true to the book. And it it didn't, you know, it was very 80s. And so, I don't know. That's pretty much it. It, it was just kind of a, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So, Yeah, what's interesting about this, and I guess for people that may not know, uh, Rachel mentioned the 14-year-old thing is S.E. Hinton. She, you know, she went by S.E. so that people didn't know that she was a woman. And she wrote this when she was 14. Started when she was 14 and finished when she was 15. And so it does have a certain perspective, uh, which has been a lot of the reason I feel like why it's taught in middle school. Because it's, you know, that you're almost this age. Like, look at someone right. that, that is the same age as you that wrote this story and that kind of thing. We didn't mention yet that this was directed by Francis Ford Coppola, who not only directed the first two God- Godfather movies, the first three, actually, the three, uh, yeah. and Apocalypse Now. So he's, you know, he's directed some serious shit. Right. <laughs> right. And so it is kind of interesting to think of him and all that he went through in the sort of very, the notorious production of Apocalypse Now and, you know, losing his mind and, and it going way over budget and way over time and and basically having, you know, a mental breakdown and having Martin Sheen. And then you have one of Martin Sheen's kids with uh, Emilio Estevez here in this movie. Right. And it's, you know, just a couple of years after that movie. And it's just such a strange, like, I'm going to do this sort of apocalyptic Vietnam film. And then I'm going to do this 1950s style uh gang rivalry but with a bunch of kids yeah like it's just sort of it's like it's like uh what do you do when you're directing because you can't have it be so heavy like apocalypse now or the godfather but you still want to make it seem like you're taking the material seriously so it's just like a strange kind of a balancing act i think you have to do maybe he like needed a break and this was like his level of taking a break yeah maybe because it's not it's not like it's a light film like you mentioned there's a there's a lot of drama in the faces and there's a lot of 
Like they're really going for it. Like that's the kind right. of best thing I'll say about it yeah. is like, yeah. they're really trying their best. Like, you yeah. know, Matt Dillon, especially he's very committed with being the character that he is. Right. Who, Matt Dillon. Yeah. Matt Dillon. What did you say? <laughs> what did I say? Did I not say Matt Dillon? No. no, I meant the character of Matt Dillon. Oh, Dallas Winston. Yeah. He's, he's very committed to playing Dally. Right. Right. And one of the things that I, I guess I really liked about the book in comparison is that you get to know who all of the people are. Because yeah. It's been long enough to where I don't, you know, I remember the book, but I don't specifically remember like descriptions of the characters. Mm-mm. And here I'm watching it going, I don't have a clue who Soda Pop is or who Steve is or who Cherry is really. Or most of the characters, I'm like, I don't know them at all. Like, I know that they're on the screen and they're representing like, oh, uh, you know, 2-Bit is the alcoholic of the group. Okay, done. And Tom Cruise's character is just kind of the other guy around. You know, like, you don't really know who they are at all. Yeah, and there were, like you said, there were some names that I recognized. Like, obviously, Soda Pop and Ponyboy, but like, Steve, I'm like, I don't know. There might have been a Steve. Like, I don't... I don't know if there was or not, so. <laughs> right. Right. And then, you know, Johnny Cade, which isn't that the dude from Mortal Kombat with the glasses? Johnny Cade? I think that that's that guy. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> now that you say that. <laughs> anyway, so the the first note that I put is I put that it I was really surprised at how much watching it this time it was really geared towards teens. Yeah. Yes. And it, And I guess... Being a teen, probably when I first saw this, I didn't, I didn't understand that. And watching it this time around, I'm like, wow, this is really like, hey, identify with us and look at what we're going through, similarly aged person. Right. Yes. And it was very, um, you know, like we talked about spoon fed, like it's us versus them. And, and then like Diane Lane's like, you know, we all have our own problems. You're like, oh my gosh, everyone does have their own problems. Yeah, like, like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Just because they're a soch, that means that not everything's great for them? Right. Yeah. So I, I totally get what you're saying. It was very much geared toward, um, you know, pick yourself. I hope you're not the alcoholic greaser, but like pick yourself out as, you know, trying to relate to one of these people and, you know follow the story that way so i did also write in my notes i wonder if rachel read this as socks instead of sosh oh (laughs) um i don't remember to be honest (laughs) with you i mean maybe soch (laughs) soch that's funny um okay so one of the things also that i wrote toward the beginning and i think this was when uh, so I remember distinctly that the book opens with, um, with Johnny Cade, with Ralph Macchio's, with the Karate Kid. We'll talk about him in his most identifiable role. Fair. Uh, so the Karate Kid gets jumped by the Soshas. And that's right. when he gets the scar that's on his face in most of the movie. Right. And so when the movie opens, it, they just kind of skip that. And I was like, oh, what? Wait a minute. And so I... Don't- I remember, no, you're fine. I read, remembered the, him getting jumped at the beginning and I just kind of thought that that was in the movie. 
They talk about it though. They do talk about it. That's right. Yeah. They're saying that's where he got his scar and they bring that's that up. All right. Yeah. And so I was kind of like, oh, weird. Like, wait a minute. Maybe this is going to be a lot different. And I do know that there is out there a, I think it's called, I don't know if it's called a director's cut, but I think it's, it's basically more stuff from the novel that they had to cut out. So they might have done it for time or something and yeah. then added some dialogue later. Because, I mean, he already gets in one rumble. Like, he doesn't need to get in two on the screen, I guess, maybe. Yeah, that's true. And it, I guess the the way that I the way that I remember reading that was it seemed like the greasers were always the underdogs when I read the book. Because, you know, you start out right away and they're getting jumped and they're getting beat up and... And yeah, in the, in the movie, it's kind of like, oh no, everything's cool. Everyone's everyone's okay with everyone else, kind of a thing. Yeah, no, that's what I thought too. Like, they're I didn't think that that in the movie. I thought it was weird that that guy went to talk to Pony Boy mm. in the car. That was mm-hmm. very odd to me. Um, but in the yeah, in the book, it seemed like they were, you know, more of. I mean, I'm gonna just make up a word: outsiders. <laughs> And, um, (laughs) like where they, as try as they might, they like, you know, couldn't, you know, win anything or, but in the book or the movie, they looked like a gang. Like if Patrick Swayze and his like friend Emilio Estevez showed up with like a bunch of gang, like they looked like they could beat some ass. Mm -hmm. Granted, the social leader was a 35 year old man in a letter jacket (laughs) Um, still though, I think they would, they won obviously. And so like, it didn't even look like a fair fight. Yeah. That was strange because it would, it always, it always should feel to me like this is this smaller group that is, that sort of society has cut off from, you know, as being not good enough. Absolutely. But in, in the movie, it seems like everyone, like they're, the town is half and half or something. Yeah, and that feels to me. And they're like really cool guys. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And they're all like in their own way, Emilio Estevez, like good looking. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like, it just seems like a weird dynamic that wasn't, that I didn't catch that vibe reading it. Agreed. Yeah, I think it's, it's like someone that, because this was, um, the story and the novel was written by Essie Hinton and she, was on set and it, she's in some bit role, I guess. Like she's like a, uh, like a clerk or something or is like okay. the cashier in, in one scene or something like that. Got but it. it. It's almost like someone who has no connection to the book whatsoever should have come to this and kind of been like, all right, we're just going to tear this apart and start from scratch. And here's what we want to do to establish these things. And they may not be in the actual novel, but film and a novel are two different mediums. And so in order for it to work on screen, this is what we have to do. Sure. And I just, it didn't, it just didn't seem that way. It seemed like, well, we're going to, you know, the audience will definitely know what the book's like. So we're just going to show like part of the book on the screen and they'll just fill in the rest from what they've already read. Right. Is what and it let's feels not, like to me. And let's not worry too much about casting. Let's just get Rob Lowe and all those other guys in there that we already know. Well, and see, a lot of these are like Rob Lowe. This is his first movie. This is Tom Cruise's second movie or second yeah. or third movie. Um, he actually got the role of risk of uh, Joel from Risky Business while on set of this movie. Oh, funny. Um, and he 
wanted uh, Diane Lane to play the role that uh, Rebecca De Mornay played. Uh-huh. And Diane Lane's father said that his daughter would not play a whore. So, Fair. <laughs> although, <laughs> when she grew up, she was in that uh, the sexy movie when she was a middle-aged woman. Yeah, but I feel like her Unfaithful, dad really didn't yeah. say, you know. Also, I know that this is going to sound cliche, but Rob Lowe literally has not aged a day. Oh, I know. He looks exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, he is a remarkable. He's a remarkable man. Right. He I, literally. <laughs> I kept waiting for Ann Perkins. Ann Perkins. <laughs> Pony boy. Oh, that would have been amazing. They should have done a callback in Parks and Rec. I feel like they would have been okay with that. I know. Didn't you grow up on the wrong side of the tracks? (laughs) On the north side of town? (laughs) He's like, yeah, and runs his fingers through his greasy hair. Right. It is ironic that Chris Traeger would never drink soda pop also. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) One of the things that I put here early in the notes was I was shocked at and it makes sense to me now, but I was shocked at how invested Anna was right away. So they're at this drive-in, and I pause it because I explained to her what a drive-in is. Sure. <laughs> and she's like, oh, well, that'd be kind of fun. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. And, but it's a lot of times it's like teenagers just goofing around. And she's like, oh, teenagers are the worst. Exactly. Have that mentality. I love it. Right. And so then we have... You know, Dallas or Dally, which I hate that they call him Dally. Uh, I hate that too. Yep. So Dallas, which is what I'm going to call him, he is, you know, being real aggressive with Cherry and really, especially in the modern sensibility, it's like, oh man. Yeah. Hey, don't hey Brett, her. why don't you get off of the girl for a, yeah. for a change? <laughs> um, <laughs> and so it's like, uh, we have all of that bit and Anna's like very invested and very nervous and very like, Oh, what's going to happen? Oh, you know, I hope these guys don't get beat up kind of a thing. Yeah. And then we have the fountain sequence where, you know, the, the Soshas are drunk and they're looking for a fight and, and all of these Curtis boys and, uh, and Ralph Macchio, the karate kid. Yes. And they're all, uh, you know, they're, the Soshas are all drunk and they're looking for these two younger kids and they find them and they're in this park and we have, Ponyboy, who is basically being drowned in a pretty intense sequence. Yep. And then we have one of Rachel's close-ups of a knife, like she had mentioned. <laughs> and then he pushes the button. Right, pushes the button, so the blade comes out. And Anna literally was jumping up and down while she was sitting. So she's, like, kind of bouncing up and down. Yeah. And she's yelling, kill him, kill him, kill him. Oh. Like, wanting him, literally wanting him to kill the socias. And then the screen goes red. In a kind of very 80s sort of effect. Yep. And it comes up later, and there, and the one guy literally is dead. And Anna's like, oh, I didn't want him to actually kill him. <laughs> and I was like, you didn't? Well, you were saying kill him, and you are really excited about it. And she's like, well, yeah, but I just wanted him to stop them from drowning his friend. And so then she sat there like, well, what did I, you know, like having this little f- reflection of, well, what did I just say? And like felt look bad. Look what you she, did. Yeah, like and f- look what you did, you little jerk from uh, Home Alone. <laughs> oh and so, yeah. And so she's sitting there and has this like regret on her face, and I was like, Aww. oh my god, like this movie is just nailing it for her, right? That's crazy, because you do feel. I mean, that's what I felt like. I'm like, get that. Like these giant men show up, and they're like. 
drowning this little kid and you want him to not get drowned. And then you're like, oh, well, shit, that that escalated quickly, basically. <laughs> yeah, really. And, you know, because I'm thinking like, all right, it's the 50s. They're just going to punch each other a lot because they don't have the technology to have a knife or a gun. Right? I believe you misunderstood my first three words. It's Tulsa, Oklahoma, 1965. Oh, 1965. Where they do knife karate. You know, what's funny is like, while I'm watching this, I'm thinking, well, this is the same. This is the same year as like Greece, right? This is the 50s. No. Because there's no, like, dirty hippies. There's no Vietnam protesters in this story. This is Tulsa, Oklahoma. They're basically shut off from the rest of the world. That's true. It's like, it's so funny because it's like, it's this very subtle thing of, look, the Midwest is about 10 years later <laughs> than the coast. <laughs> we don't even have TVs to tell us there's a war on. That's like, we right. don't even know. We don't even we're, mention it. Don't worry about it. We're too busy learning about farming. So <laughs> That's right. We're not reading. Right. So it's like, you know, it's the 50s on in the Midwest, but it's the 60s on the coast kind of a thing. Sure. And, you know, you have things like, where the hell are all the adults? <laughs> because Honestly. there's there's some cops and that's about all. Do you know what I thought, which was really sad, is when um, Johnny was in the hospital. I was like, "Is like obviously his parents don't have insurance. Like I don't know who's gonna pay for these hospital bills." <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you watch this as a grown up. <laughs> that's right. You're like, "Oh man, he's gonna stay there for another night." Ooh, that's gonna cost. That's a that. lot. That is a lot. Did he yeah. even put copay in, or like, no? All right. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm sitting there watching it going. Man, imagine the air conditioning bills in this house. Like, no one knows how to close this door. <laughs> All the damn lights are on. We're trying to light the whole neighborhood. That's right. Everyone's in a barn, apparently. Yeah. Born in a barn. So, yeah. So then we have the the sort of runaway, the, uh, the church scene. We have this church sequence, which, man, I felt like that was maybe half the book. And here it's like yes. ten minutes. Okay, I totally agree. I I am on. I agree with that as well. Which is fine because no offense, I was kind of bored with it in the book, so I'm yeah. kind of glad they glossed over it. But yeah, I hear I, you. And so we have the things like, uh, oh, we have just sort of the things that's keeping them entertained, and we get the hair dyeing and the cutting. And Anna thought that the, when they were cutting the hair, they thought she thought that was really funny, and she's like, "Oh, boys are wimps." You know, <laughs> And so, yeah, and so she really appreciated that. And then we have this fire, and of course, the first thing on a, you know, she like sits up straight in the chair, and she says, "The cigarettes." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "You got it, Anna." And so she's just, you know, see, she sees the cigarettes on screen, and I kind of don't really think about it, and she's like, "Oh, gross, cigarettes, yeah. ew," and um. She's also right about that. That's right. And so she sees that and she immediately pegs the cigarettes and and she's sitting there like fingers near her mouth while she's watching this whole uh, collapsing church scene. Well, that would make two of us. <laughs> and so it was the thing where it's like I felt like it collapsed too soon and also too late. To where I didn't feel like the timing was really well done in it because it seemed like, oh, okay, this is going to collapse any second. And then the scene goes on for like three or four minutes. Right. There are, there are 37 and a half kids left in that building. <laughs> yeah, and... really. 
And none of them can figure out, hey, maybe I should just go out. Right. Maybe well, I should you just know, go. Yeah. And the two grown ups are like, that's it's fine. We've we've made our peace with it. <laughs> and all of them are like, <laughs> and all of them are like, well, all there is is this, you know, a quarter inch plywood that's holding the windows shut. Right. Maybe we should just right. punch these real quick. Yeah. Yes. They just pull oh, them that that was really kind of clumsily staged. I thought. Yeah, I agree with that too. And that was what was so strange to me was that uh, wait a minute, this is not a director that doesn't know how to do something like this. It's not like it was a a money thing. I wouldn't think either. It just wasn't really well planned out. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't have a lot of experience with burning schoolhouses that don't have paint on them he's got all of the uh i love the smell of napalm in the morning instead like with the beach on fire and all that kind of he's like are we gonna explode the schoolhouse (laughs) no it's like it's just like a like a fire yeah like a big explosion no like it's just a a fire but what if it like falls over and then marlon brando's head comes out really slowly and then he hacks (laughs) up this cow and they're like no 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 this is not that movie anymore you need to move on. Oh, God. See, maybe he was, like, taking a break in his trailer, and they're like, let's film that that uh, fire scene while he's not here. Yeah. Let's just get it over with. He just sits there, and he's smoking a cigarette, and he's like, second unit, you're doing this one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's just having his own PTSD is probably what's happening. So, so, yeah, we have that fire sequence. Again, Anna was very disturbed that that poor old karate kid that Johnny Cade got caught in the fire. And we have this kind of confusing, like, I don't know. I just feel like it was so much better when I first watched it because we have this kind of confusing ambulance scene to where it's like, okay, well who's dead and who's not. And no one seems to be in too much of a rush. Like what's going on. Right. Because Johnny's like, you know, he's going to, he's, he spoiler dies. Like I said already, I'm just going to keep saying spoiler dies. And he, uh, you know, seems like he's kind of hurt, but they're not really like running him in like ER style or something into the hospital. Yeah. They're just kind of like, yeah, well, and Pony Boys, he's in blackface and he's got all of the ash all over, right? And he's, uh, and so he's, looks the worst of the three of them. I agree with that. And so I'm like, okay, well, he seems to be like he's the most injured of these three and and uh, Matt Dillon's kind of just hopping around in his underwear and whatnot. Like, I don't Yelling understand. Yelling at nurses and, yeah. So let's talk about Matt Dillon for a second. So. Pass. Okay. So Dallas Winston. He, like I said, is very committed. But I don't have, I don't know if it's the delivery or if it's the dialogue. But holy Jesus, was this not working for me? <laughs> Because, man, he just kept being, like, really, I don't know, he's, like, really high school, man. Like, he was he was just such a guy I would never want to talk to in my life. Well, I mean, he was also, like, a giant toolbox. Like, he was the one that tried to, like, get the girls, like, come on, and um, he wasn't a likable character. That's true. He wasn't... And, you know, it's confusing because he was likable to certain people, but he was also like, like, you know, he would go out of his way to help Pony Boy, but he also like acted like an asshole all the time. And everyone who just knew he was an asshole, including his friends. So 
it's a weird, really weird combination of things. Yeah, I guess if I'm if I'm stepping back and I'm thinking from a filmmaker's point of view, like what what is the arc of this character? I don't know that I have an answer for that. He he snaps. Spoiler. Yeah, he snaps, but. It's like I would I guess I would have rather see him as a character that around his friends he well like maybe around Cherry he feel he like acts one way and around his friends he acts another way or you know like to where he's just sort of putting on this character of Dally as something that he feels like other people want from him instead of because he's just like uh he just is unlikable the whole time. So at the end of the movie, when he does snap and when he does the old suicide by police, right? it's like, okay, I don't feel yeah. that bad for you because you've been a dickhole the whole time. Right. And you ruined the magazines, including highlights and then <laughs> the convenience store. So That's right. you're like, you know what? I'm going to do this, especially for Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> Pick this up and rip it straight in half. <laughs> but, yeah. So I just would have liked, like, you know, he could have had a scene with Pony Boy or with Johnny, and it could have been like, uh, you know, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, like, and been a less Dally sort of version of himself. But that's not who he was. Like, mm. he's not a complicated guy. Yeah. That's why he snapped because he didn't, you know, you say like, use your words. He didn't know how to use his words to talk about like, go ponder Mm -hmm. the shitty things that happen when you help people. He just goes, this is what happens when you try to help people. Cause those are like (laughs) 10 out of the 32 words that he knows. And then he went crazy eyes. So he doesn't have the two sides and he wouldn't be able to distinguish. He's just, this is who I am. I'm this nice guy sometimes and then an asshole most of my life so i feel like that's such a that would be almost an impossible character for me to write because i just i feel like i would have to understand something about that person and i just don't connect with that person at all i mean i don't connect with him i don't relate to that but i understand like you know he just is frustrated and doesn't know how to deal with it and but it seems like he's, you know, like that character is always at 11 and he just never comes down. You don't have, you don't know people like that? I guess I just imagine them to be better than that. You know, like, I, like let me think of a, a really famous example. Like Nick Saban is an asshole, right? Oh, yeah. But, but there's, he's not always like that. Like, it seems like he can turn it off somewhat. Like, it doesn't go back to, he's not like he's a nice guy, but he can, like, tone it down if he needs to. You know what, though? I almost would prefer Dallas. Who really? is a, who, because Nick Saban, I don't know where we, like, this is a weird, <laughs> like, if this was, like, a one-liner, it'd be a weird cut. Um, or Okay, so people who can tone it down, mm-hmm. um, they choose who they're more nice to. And to me, that's like being even more of a dick because you can turn it down and you know how to control it. But you're like, well, I don't have to control around this person because they're not worth me being nice to. Whereas Dallas just like doesn't know how to not be a dick. So he's just an asshole all the time. Then I guess in the in the story, I would have 
love to have seen something where someone tries to get them to to turn it off or tries to get them to like to basically tell me that they that they can't do that like in a movie that over explains and like holds your hand so much i would have loved to have seen that about that particular character because we we get the opposite with daryl because patrick swayze's character is trying is like trying on this father figure role yeah and he doesn't he's not good at it he's not able to do it right right but he's trying and so he like regrets the decisions that he makes and that sort of thing so it would have been like look daryl can do this why can't you do this you know it's just like a one little tiny scene of something like that to where i would have been like oh this guy's just a dick that's you know i don't have to be bothered by him but then I guess in the arc of the film, I would have preferred or it would have hit me harder if Daryl is the character that ends up getting killed. Oh, for sure. Because then I'm like, oh, no, you know, this is the guy. This is the guy that's trying to make things better for everyone. Right. Oh, I totally agree with that. I think that that would have hit me. I mean, first of all, it's Patrick Swayze. So I'd be like, damn. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I totally agree. I always think of Patrick Swayze in that SNL Chippendales thing with Chris Farley. Oh, sure. That's like peak Patrick Swayze for me. Right. But yes, his character is is way more likable. But um, I'm going to write a short essay called In Defense of Matt Dillon. And, uh... <laughs> I love it. I think, that it. I think that it's more like, I don't know, it's more like my problems with the story and the character as opposed to the film. You know, like, it's more my problems with the way that the the book and this character is created. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. I get what you're saying. And, they're, so, they're... and so I think that Matt Dillon does an okay job because, man, he's, he's doing his best. But it, like I said at the beginning, I don't know if it's his delivery or if it's the actual dialogue that he's required to read. But, man, did I have some problems with that character. Got it. So, well, Like I said, he's not spo- I don't think he's supposed to be everybody's favorite. Yeah. It just anyway. makes. I guess I I worry about the people that is that it is his favorite, or it is <laughs> her favorite. Like, oh man, I identify with Dally the most. Well, you yeah. see what happens when you don't use your words and uh... <laughs> read a book. You illiterate son of a bitch. Right? Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the. I wrote this note as old Hollywood is what I wrote down. Okay. And what I mean by that is I think that this movie feels like it was made forever ago and it feel and I think that that's a good way in some ways and a bad way in some ways. And I guess what I what I mean by that is it feels like this is a small town, there's no other towns around it. Like there's no other place For in this miles. world. <laughs> yeah. Like this is the only place in this world. You know, is this town yeah. So there's no getting out, really. And there is very, like, heightened emotions, like you had mentioned earlier, very heightened dialogue, very stylized dialogue and emotion yeah. and acting. And I think that that's good in some ways, because it, it reminds me almost a little bit of when we talked about musicals, and everything felt very, like, on a stage and everyone was being very broad and very and very big, and that was sort of the point, right? And here it's like, okay, I get that they're like going for a thing, and so I think some of that works. But then with the material, it's like, 
it's not quite to the point of being like operatic. Like it's not quite like West Side Story or something like that. Right. But it's not grounded enough either. Like it's kind of floating in this in between. Yeah. Where, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yep. Where, where as a, as a young adult, which is what we're talking about, I think it works fairly well, but as an adult, most of the time, I think it is kind of tough to watch sometimes. Right. Cause you want, you want the reactions and, you know, things like that to be, like you said, more down to earth or just a little bit grittier and more realistic. Mm-hmm. Whereas exactly. they're like, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Instead of we're standing outside a church in a literal like re shoot of gone with the wind standing outside <laughs> of our water fence. <laughs> that's right. That is right. So what did you, uh, what did you think of the tail end of this movie here? We have the very famous stay gold pony boy. Yep. Uh, we have the, the, like I mentioned earlier, the suicide by cop and all that kind of thing. So what did you think of how that all ended? And, and I guess what I'm thinking of also is the sort of timing of how it all ends. Because I guess in my memory, stay gold pony boy was the end of the movie. Yep. I actually shut it off after that. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> nice. Well, click. That's, it should be done. This is I don't it. Know. Anything left. Um, I'm Rachel Z. Like, I do not watch credits. <laughs> <laughs> Unless the remote is too far away. And yeah, you're I'll... like, this whole Marvel thing, I don't know what people are talking about. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like, we need some more popcorn in here. There's going to be, like, 13 minutes of names yeah. and then and Brad. six seconds of a scene. More popcorn. That I'm going to have to Google because I have no idea what it means. Yeah, um, like, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel like, to be honest... The, the snapped part went a little quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, they're like, oh, no, he's not there. And, like, <laughs> they get off the phone and they're like, we have to go find him. And then, bam. Like, there wasn't a lot of, like, time to think about it. Like, what happens if he's gone? He's our favorite asshole kind of thing. <laughs> um, it was just like, like, um, you know, stay golden. Let's get the magazine thing out of the way. Let's make a phone call. Everyone panics and then he dies. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like it happened within like five and a half minutes, which is fine, I guess. I don't know. It just seemed a little like I thought that there was going to be this whole like trying to hunt him down and things like that, but it did not happen that way. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, the movie is only an hour and a half, so it's not like it's a long film. Right. And man, does it go fast. And, yeah. and specifically that end, that end bit, because, you know, we have the rumble and the rumble. I'm like, oh yeah, like, man, how bad would this suck? Like yeah. just going and fighting a bunch of people? No way. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm sitting there thinking like, you know, earlier today I was taking something out of the dishwasher. I was taking a cutting board actually out of the dishwasher and it was fairly heavy and it was like pushing on my knuckles and I was like, Ooh, that kind of hurts. I don't like that. Oh, right. My God. <laughs> so then I think about how <laughs> I would react in this thing where you're just close beating... up to the cutting board, close up to your knuckles, close up to the cutting board. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, Ooh, I didn't feel good. I don't like that. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I'd be in the same, I'd be like, I'm, I'm out. Like I get punched in the face once and I'm done. I think I've said that before. We're like, I'm just, I'm not a take a punch kind of gal. 
It'd be very much like uh, like that video of your sister trying to shotgun a beer. <laughs> if you one attempt and no, no, I don't think so. Maybe talked oh. into it one more try. No, I'm definitely out. Oh my god, I love I love her so much. That really just made my whole day. That so was very funny. I laughed very hard when I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> she gave her darndest try, but <laughs> that's right. Yep. Oh, that's good. So yeah, so that that whole rumble stuff. I thought that that was fairly well done outside of the people that were clearly in their mid thirties, right? In, right. Involved in the fight. Talk about glory days, guys. Take the <laughs> jackets off. Yeah, really. I did appreciate there were literal rumbles of thunder as well. Oh man, <laughs> I didn't write that down, but I did roll my eyes and I just kind of looked over at Anna because I was trying not to like give away what I thought of it while she was sure. watching. Yeah. So that was something. So yeah, we have that. We have the sort of talk that that Johnny's getting worse, but it, but there's no doctors ever working on him. There's no like, what exactly is his deal? Because he seems like he's all right. Also, if you have like an awesome caveat, not a doctor, obviously. Um, <laughs> if you have like horrible burns all over your body. Um, normally you're really susceptible to infection and your weird, dirty friends can't just come in and give you old copies <laughs> of books and stuff. Um, so that's just a thought. But just throwing that out there. 60, so maybe they didn't know about infections yet? I'm not sure. Well, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> They're just smoking in there like, how's your infection? Good? <laughs> that infection doing any better? No. Yeah, I uh, you need to toughen up. In it. I like ash in there. <laughs> I get that ash in there. That'll yeah. Rub it around. Rub some dirt <laughs> on it. Soak to the bone. Oh my god. <laughs> so, so yeah. The uh, that was that was kind of surprising because I guess I just I just think of it being like classic Hollywood stuff. The Stay Gold Pony Boy, with yep. him being more injured than he is, and it just does. We don't see him really being hurt that bad. Right. But and he said like he wouldn't walk again. That is true. That is true. And I was like, right. you know, they said he would, uh, yeah, he'd never walk again. And Anna kind of was like, eh, yeah. You know, she didn't really react to that too much. Because he didn't seem like, you're right, he didn't seem like he was in a coma or something. You know, like there, it just seemed like he was, okay, well, he's laying in this thing and he's talking. Mm-hmm. He seems uh-huh. to be fine. So maybe he died of sepsis. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. And so, so honest, and they're watching it, and you know she's seen Karate Kid, so she's seen him act a lot more hurt than this. Yes, <laughs> because when you know when the leg is swept, he is he's in a lot of pain. Yeah, yeah. And so here he just kind of does the wince a couple times, and it's like, oh yeah, he's going to be fine. And then when he dies, you're like, what? And so she watched that and was just kind of looking at it like, why? Instead of feeling any sort of sadness. Yeah. I mean, I thought that too. Yeah. And so then Dallas goes and, you know, she, she did the, (gasps) when he rips the magazine. Yes. (laughs) Good. And it was like, oh man, if Rachel could only be watching you right now, right? (laughs) So proud of you. (laughs) That's right. Because Adele would be like, what's she doing that for? Oh, don't you understand literature? (laughs) Uh, And so, so she sees him running around with the with the gun and and the cops there and she's got like her hands over her face and watching it through her fingers yeah right and so him getting killed she's like oh no you know and was really sort of feeling it 
even though I cannot believe for a second if she thinks about it that she actually liked that character. But it was just sort of, it was a lot more effectively staged and a lot more emotion was drawn out of it than it was with the Pony Boy stuff, even though that's such a famous line. Yeah, and if you think about it, you know how we talked about how it went really quickly? You know, yeah. from a standpoint of us, like, yeah, we might have wanted some slower scenes where he's like, what am I doing? Like, Anna doesn't care about that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. She yeah, wants that... all plot. She doesn't care about the character. Right. That makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and so that was way more effective for her, and then as the the movie ended, she... I told her to give me a rating out of five, what she thought of it. And she said four and a half. Wow. And I said, wow, that's really good. And she's like, yeah, I really liked it. I was like, okay. Uh, Hmm. And so I told her that, you know, when she was maybe in middle school, that she would be reading that book. And if not, then I would have her read it. Right. uh, And see what she thought of it. So I gave it personally a three out of five because I thought it was fine. I thought that some of the characters were completely lost, like the whole 2-Bit and Steve and Soda Pop, like they might as well have not even been there. Yeah. Because it wasn't really about them at all. And so I thought it was okay for what it was trying to do, but I wasn't, you know, like a huge proponent. And I was kind of surprised because I was like, oh yeah, The Outsiders, this is a good movie. I'm, You know, why don't more people talk about this movie? And then I watched it again and found out why. <laughs> Jesus. Well, answered my own question on that bad boy. That's right. What would you give it though out of five? Oh, I would give it a three, maybe. Oh, okay, see, three. yeah. Don't no, talk I'm not all tough, Cruz. You're I'm not trying to. Me. And it's a shame because one of my notes was Emilio Estevez is the best greaser I've ever seen. He really is, especially he, with that laugh and the sideburns. Um, and the have fact you ever that seen? He's like quote unquote playing drunk. Yeah, he's probably really drunk. And he only wears Mickey Mouse shirts, which is ridiculous. That was and, a nice little thing in there, yeah. Yeah, they played... That's the best Mickey Mouse cartoon of all time, by the way. Mickey's trailer. So good. Just, just <laughs> wow, going to... I'm just throwing that out there. You wow. can just Google it. It's it's amazing. But um, he reminded me of, um, you know, on Bob's Burgers. Mm-hmm. Do you watch Bob's Burgers? I haven't um, seen it before, but I know what it is. Okay, well, there's a kid in there. His name is Zeke. And he's like one, he's like one of their friends and he, he has a best friend and he always puts him in a headlock and like tackles him to the floor. Uh, yes. And like, I was like, Oh my God, this is exactly what he's doing. Like not in a, like, I hate you way, but in a, like we're friends and I always want to fight you because we're friends kind of way. And I was like, mm. Oh my gosh, Zeke from Bob's burgers. It was funny. So it seems anyway. to make sense to me. I have one more question though. Sure. Um, why is dogs barking a sign of a bad neighborhood? That is true, because that's how you know that you're in the wrong side of town, is that there's going to be some dogs. Just because everybody that lives on the right side of town, they their dogs are um, never bark, or I'm just, conf- they're like, well, better behaved dogs? <laughs> they're like smaller dogs that stay in the house. That just, oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and so I they're, did- they're cat people. Yeah, and I didn't notice it before, except for every time a dog barks at any point on any TV show, my dog has to talk to that dog. Oh, absolutely. It's like, what are you saying, friend? So, like, every time they're in the wrong side of the tracks, the dogs are barking, and Lola's like, what? What's that? What's that? What's that? And so it just um, was drawn a little bit more to my attention this time around. So Absolutely. 
I don't know. We got a real quick appearance from my wife. I just want the wine. Hey, girl. <laughs> she just came in to get some wine, she said. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything to add. I just came for the liquor. That's so. right. I took. A, I brought the, the bottle so I could read that glorious description. So <laughs> She came in searching for it. Got it. On the hunt. Okay, so is there anything else about the outsiders? They weren't really outside. Let's they slept on. outside that one night. <laughs> That's right, and at the church, kind of, because it wasn't right. really enclosed. Yeah, yeah. Which is, what are the people doing there to begin with? Like, it's an abandoned church. Right? Is that That's the worst field trip I have ever... <laughs> Why are all these small children there? Right. It's abandoned for a reason. Right? Okay. That was a cult, and they actually broke it up. That was a different part of the headline. You missed it. <laughs> that's right. All right, so before we move on to our second film this evening... We should mention that we are also sponsored by Audible. For you, the listeners of Plain Label Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a three with a free 30-day trial to give you the chance to check them out. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash plain label. Again, that is audibletrial.com slash plain label for your free audiobook. And I should mention that some of the recent things that I got off of Audible because of Rachel's glorious uh, obsession, glorious, I was going to say maybe like obsessed, uh, a completist, we'll say. Fair. Uh, she's been digging into the Anthony Horowitz library of books. And so I decided to give one of them a try. And so what I'm doing, Ms. Zlag, is I'm going through uh, his catalog, starting with magpie murders okay which i got through the library and so i'm listening to it while i kind of read it weird and so i'm listening to it and my eyes are kind of going over it and then i'll either listen ahead or i'll read ahead and i'm kind of so i'm like kind of reading it twice and so it's i'm just sort of doing this little experiment of do i like the way that the lady reads it and then the gentleman reads it or do I like my own voice while I read it better? And then here That's in the next, and then here in the next uh, chapter or two, I'm just going to do one or the other. But I am enjoying it so far. I like that it's a book within a book and and that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, I actually just um, since we're getting off topic a little bit, had this conversation with myself because um, I was reading Moriarty, which is the second Sherlock Holmes novel, and the narrator is from New York. Because that's the character, and I was immediately annoyed because they weren't British. I'm like, this is a Sherlock Holmes novel, okay? Like, you're in London. Just fake that you have a British accent. (laughs) (laughs) Unacceptable. Right, so the narrator really does make it. So if you're a good narrator of yourself, then go for it. (laughs) Well, there you go. That's that's what you've uh, come to learn from this discussion. Yep. <laughs> okay, so our uh, second film, also, like I said, from 1983, it's another Tom Cruise movie. It is Risky Business. So your folks are going out of town. Just use your best judgment. You know we trust you. You got the place all to yourself? <laughs> A good time, Joe. In the privacy of your own home. Just take those old records off the shelf. That's her. 
I wouldn't call the first the Outsiders a Tom Cruise movie. I'm just going to throw that out there. Well, anyway. Another movie that has Tom Cruise in it. it there is we go. Risky business. <laughs> <laughs> Left alone in the wealthy northern Chicago suburbs of Sherman, Illinois, with the family house and Porsche at his disposal, Joel, through his scheming friends, Booger, finds himself entertaining <laughs> to die for Lady of the Night, Lana. After meeting Joel's enthusiastic friends, Lana spots a business opportunity and suggests bringing in some of her equally stunning colleagues. Joel is aghast at such an idea, at least until the Porsche accidentally falls into Lake Michigan, requiring a quick infusion of ready cash. <laughs> so many unbelievable things about this movie. I love the fact that you uh, ad-libbed some of the stuff. because I, <laughs> I took a drink and I looked at him and I was like, wait a minute, it's not Sherman, Illinois, is it? Wait a minute, Booger's not in. Oh, they don't name him that. <laughs> So, so, yes, this is Risky Business. This is the movie that Rachel picked. This is a movie that everybody in the world should know from the Tom Cruise sliding across his uh, hallway sort of thing, right? Yep. But I realized very quickly into this that I had not seen this movie before. Right, me neither. So what did you what did you think of it? It was terrible. What? No, that's unfair. That's unfair. Um, I don't know. I turned it off after the sliding across the floor thing. That was all I wanted to. Oh my god! I saw him. I saw him dancing on his back, kicking his legs, and I was like, "I'm good." Uh, I mean, I've never been. Tom Cruise is not my type, so I've never been like, "Ooh, he's so dreamy." Mm -hmm. Um, so just getting that out of the way. Um. It was it was a very unbelievable movie, obviously, like most 80s movies. Like, obviously, Weird Science wasn't a believable movie. I should have done Weird Science. <laughs> Wait a minute. It's actually more believable that they could make <laughs> a real person out of a Barbie doll than this. But um, I liked uh, some things about it and didn't like some things about it. It was very... It was, like, grown-up and then not grown-up. Mm. Does that make sense? Okay, sure, yeah. Like, someone waving a gun in your face is pretty grown up, but also, like, you made your own TV dinner like Kevin McAllister and ate it at the end of your table the night before, which is, you know, kind of what they're showing, I guess, is, like, he's in over his head and he doesn't know what he's doing, but... um Made his own TV dinner, but didn't thaw it out. Didn't thaw it out, but did pour a very <laughs> lot of whiskey warm into a glass. And then put a little Coke in there. Oh, my God. Whoa, uh, barf. No wonder he's dancing around. Yeah, and is this this is more for, I wouldn't say young adult. I would say this would be more for high school mm-hmm. kids, mm-hmm. which is still a horrible idea. Like, by the way, if you 
go into business with prostitutes. This is, I mean, you're going to find a girlfriend forever. So, um, I don't know. There were just some weird things about it that I was like, okay. Um, what, what were your initial thoughts? Well, what's funny about that is, is first of all, like I said, I was really kind of surprised that I hadn't seen it because I kind of felt like I knew what it was. Yeah. Like I, I knew about the Rebecca de Mornay and him sleeping on the train or having sex on the train. I knew about the sort of looks like I'm going to Illinois and the, like the mugging face thing like the kind of uh where he finds out he's not going to princeton or whatever when he oh he's not okay going to right and i knew about that dance and i was kind of like okay this is essentially what the movie is where the parents go and he has a party and he and he doesn't end up going and whatever and so when i watched it like i liked it a lot more than i thought i was going to and i think i liked it a lot more than you did and i don't know really the reasoning behind it because i think that if you just look at it with the characters that are in there and the structure of it it just screams 1980s well yeah yeah it's very much like weird science where you have the parents that leave and you have them do this kind of wacky stuff and i think that i just really like that i really like rebecca de mornay's character i really like that she's never really sort of overwhelmed um, I like that she's really the one in charge and I kind of, I don't know. I kind of, I wrote down here, like I'm surprising myself with how much I'm liking this movie. Okay. And so I, I think that I was just like shocked that I was liking it as much as I was liking it. So I watched this, um, like I rented it on Amazon. So they always have like the, if you like pause it, they have the little trivia, oh, I guess. Yeah. Did you read the trivia about the this? IMDb stuff? No, I didn't. I didn't read it. I don't. And I, um, so they said that they had two endings to this movie. One was where they met at the end and he asked her if she set him up. And okay. she said, like, she didn't say, but she implied that she was behind all of that. All, yeah. All of his, uh, you know, he comes home at one point when he thinks he has it all and all of his right, furniture's gone right. and everything. And so, else. like, that was all her. Um, and then they like screen tested it. And at the time they said like happy ending eighties movies were the thing. And so they didn't want it to end unhappily for them. And so they, they went with the second ending, but his initial ending was that like, not only was she not overwhelmed, but she was like in charge the whole time. Mm. Yeah. I guess I like it better the way that it is like, and it's so strange because I think that as someone that is so cynical about so many things, I would have expected myself to answer the other way. Yeah, me too. And so I think that when I watch a movie and I'm really kind of like, it's really sort of got me, then I can feel optimistic about it. And if I'm kind of like detached from it and not really buying into something about the movie, I can be like, oh, well, this person should definitely die or this should be whatever, you know, whatever the the sort of down ending would be. So did you, did you like relate to Tom Cruise's character at all? <laughs> no, not really. I think that, I think that generally I relate to people that are a little over their head, right? Oh. Or they're out of their depth. Yeah. And I, I do a little bit like that. I actually kind of liked the parents. 
um, because the parents, for what little screen time they have, they are they feel like people to me instead of like characters, right? Because and she's like not- you know because he get, he takes the SAT and he, she's like well you can you can retake that right but she's not like screaming at him about it, right? And also like use your best judgment with the house, uh huh. Like because yeah, you know we trust you, but they're but they're not like. Um, they don't seem like they're idiots mm-hmm. where like in a lot of eighties movies, like you said, like they pull a fast one on the parents and yes, there is that ridiculous couple of scenes where he buys back all the furniture and gets it put in with bulky, which is not happening. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like the, the parents call and he's like, are you having people over? And the mom's like, well, of course he's going to have friends over. Like, so they're not like, Oh my goodness. Like, you shouldn't have any friends over, you know? So why was I, there a girl that answered the phone? There was none yeah. of that really. Yeah. And so, and the, I think the mom was a little bit more chill than the dad, except mm-hmm. for when it came to that crystal egg, which is a whole different thing in itself, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Good which I guess that was an actual thing until, uh, 2011 to where the market sort of fell out for buying crystal objects like that. Weird. It's weird. It is weird. So one of the things that I wanted to mention early on was, uh, besides the parents, was um, I would, like, say that my parents were out of town when I was in high school and a friend came over. I would never volunteer my bed for people to sleep together in. No. I was like, what is this? You can have my, I was like, I I think I just yelled no at the screen. I'm like, no. No way. Absolutely no chance. (laughs) Right. Check out the garage. That might be more your style. Go in the backyard in the grass for all I care, but you're not doing that in the house. And then he's like doing homework and he leaves and he's like, this guy. Okay. I understand in high school, we all do stupid things, but like this guy just continuously leaves his house with people that I would never trust at my house. Like he just takes off and goes and gets, Soda or something. It's not Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'll tell you that much. 1965. That's for damn sure. People are a lot more trusting in the 80s. Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) I just cannot believe, like, that initial where he, like, leaves her. I wrote, you just leave a hooker at your house? Like, I just... Well, she looked trusting, though. Did she? She's got a trusting face. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing that I think is super unbelievable is that she just walks into a random house in the suburbs. Like he's on the couch and she just walks in. Oh yeah. There's no like ringing of the doorbell. There's no like, Hey, so, um, you know, this is a little uncomfortable, but to do this, it's going to be this to stay over. It's going to be this much to yeah. do this thing. is going to be this much. It's like, yeah, let's just have sex and we'll worry about it in the morning. The first prostitute was way more polite, by the way. <laughs> the the male prostitute. Yeah. yeah, I'm just saying. Like, do you want to let me in? This I know this was a misunderstanding. I just need to make a phone call. They drink like tea together. Like mm-hmm. that was like, no offense. Like the kind of night that I would have liked. Like, let's just chat. <laughs> let's just have some conversations about yeah. Some you fun. seem nice. Let's chat yeah. about it. Although uh, I think Rebecca De Mornay in 1983 can kind of do whatever she wanted to do. Because she was uh, she was dating Tom Cruise during the production of this movie. Got it. Uh, she also dated Harry Dean Stanton, who is v- 
I won't say very old. He has passed away. He is significantly older than the two of them. Okay. And so he would sometimes come by the set, which would cause a little bit of kerfuffle. She dated them both at the same time? Well, she had just dated Harry Dean Stanton, and then she started dating Tom Cruise during this movie. And he just, like, randomly shows up while your ex-boyfriend does? Mm Mm-hmm. Of course, that's what ex-boyfriends do. Not my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> what Harry Dean Stanton looks like, I'm gonna look him oh, up. Oh, he is a he is no Tom Cruise. I will tell you that. Oh yeah, he was um he was like the dad in Sixteen Candles, right? Something like that. He's been a dad since he was like probably 20 years old. Is the way that he looks. Drooping, weather beaten appearance. That's that is how <laughs> I want to be described in my obituary. I like that. So he um. So the next bit that I wanted to mention is it was the frozen dinners that you talked about from Home Alone and Kevin and the drinking and the dancing. And and I did read that that was all improvised. So while it looks awkward, I'm glad that it does look as awkward as it looks. There's no like signature like dance move or something that he does. He's just kind of goofing around like a kid in the 80s. He really did look awkward. And I saw that they had him work out like for a while and lose like 10 pounds. And then I don't know if this is even accurate or how bodies work, but then they had him eat a bunch of fatty foods. So he would like bulk up and have a baby face. Oh, so they put like a, like a quick layer of fat on him. Like a quick layer of fat, which is the mem, my memoir title starting now. (laughs) A quick layer of fat. (laughs) I like it. So I, I can relate to the uh, getting drunk and dancing bit in that on, as of recording again, at, on Saturday, uh, by the time this releases, I will probably have my heart broken once again. But on Saturday, after the Huskers got absolutely whipped, the Atlanta Braves clinched the National League East. Yes. And so I danced around like a fool uh, because I watched it hours after the game had actually happened. Oh, nice. And was was uh, thankfully alone and had had a few beverages of the adult variety and saw that the Braves had won. And so I was dancing around, not exactly to the same style as Tom Cruise. But put on in, a little Bob Seger. Uh, <laughs> I put on a little something and was definitely dancing around. And so I was like, oh, I, okay, I feel you, awkward white Tom Cruise. I, I can understand. <laughs> I feel that real hard. Yeah, I feel that for sure. Um, so yeah, you, we already mentioned the ordering the women thing and the introduction to Lana. Um, I will say that I do like myself some Rebecca de Mornay. So maybe that's why I was more willing to go along with this movie than me, uh, than you, yeah. <laughs> than you were. Uh, so, cause, and especially I wrote in there, I, I do really like the look when she's, playing the madam role where she's got the hat on and like the business vest kind oh, of Oh yeah, that was cute. She looked yeah. cute there. Yeah, so I liked that quite a bit. Um, um I so one of the things I did like was that um he was trying to be a good person. Like the the other thing is like I just I think they were trying to paint him as like in over his head and like you know, he just 
smelled the eighties money and couldn't pass it up. And also, you know, it's, it's super easy to detail it and wash out an entire Porsche in three days or something. So like that wasn't a big deal at all. Yeah, no problem. Um, but I liked how like they're talking about, you know, he's like, are we just doing this to make money? Or are we doing this to do stuff? And they're like, we're obviously doing it to make money. And like, he was at least trying to be like, I want to like go to college and, do something that I, that I enjoy instead of just trying to make 40 grand mm-hmm. first year out. Mm-hmm. Um, but as all of his friends were the worst, except for, um, what's his name? His nerd friend that he, uh, that helped him move the furniture. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. I Gary. don't remember. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and Booger was the worst friend ever. He really was. Like, let me eat this number. Let me have this transvestite come over. It's and like he's Booger. like, he's like, sometimes you just gotta say fuck it. And he's like, I didn't mean that. Like, he takes it back later. Like, he was, he was just, he's not a good person in general. So, although I will say that sometimes you just gotta say fuck it. That is a direct line that one of my high school friends said to one of my high school friends' mother, who was a teacher. Um, and he says, you know what, Susan? Sometimes you just gotta say fuck it. Oh, that's and she said, and she was not pleased. So yeah, that's the long and short of that. The long <laughs> know your that audience, story. buddy. Yeah, really. <laughs> know Read your audience. <laughs> Read the room. These are wise, <laughs> wise words from Rachel Zelag. Right. Uh, I like that. So, what do you think about the movie in the or the movie? Jesus, what do you think about the music in this movie? It's amazing. I liked it a lot. I think that sometimes I can hear 80s music and I'm like, ah, God, can you put the synthesizer down for like one second? But I really, I really kind of liked it. The first song, like the beginning song, Mm -hmm. um, hold on, it was called Love on a Real Train. And I was like, (laughs) God, that's just the whole, all of that was amazing. That's what the movie should have been called. And I wrote, honestly, I think every movie should have an in the air tonight montage, like regardless of what you're doing and where you are. Phil Collins has never steered me wrong. I'll tell you that much. No, Tarzan a little bit, to be honest, but I guess I can get into that right now. But um, look in the archives for that if they want to hear us. Yeah, I just I, I actually liked the music a lot. So that was one of the things I was like, dang, this is just I was feeling the 80s, I guess that. This weekend, so yeah, um, one of the things that I I didn't particularly love was when he is uh, taking the Porsche out and they're kind of racing around and chasing each other. They're going about twenty miles an hour. <laughs> they're like they got this car chase and they're like barely going anywhere. And I'm like, oh man, I don't know if I'm just spoiled from like the Bourne movies and Fast and, and Furious or what, but they're like barely moving. I love how there are so many unbelievable parts to this movie, and that's the thing that really gets you. <laughs> it's like how slow this car is going. Well, of course they can make millions on a prostitution ring. Of course right. they would. All these kids are going to just go to the bank and get their bonds out as a minor. No big it's deal. Getting all, also, right. And they're having a huge party, and people are like pulling up in taxis, and <laughs> and nobody's parents. And, and sh- this... Girl has many connections for being supposedly only 18. Mm-hmm. She has like 50 friends that are just, you know, they're 
going to just go into business by themselves. Guido, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Joe Pantoliano, who... Is a great character. He is, is best known from... Um, Beethoven. No, I was going to say he's best known from Memento or The Matrix. Oh, yeah. Looking much different than how he looks here. It was so strange to me seeing him this young. It was like, this is someone's voice planted in someone else's different, someone different's body. Like, there's no way that this is this guy. His face was skinny. He just looked like a tiny baby gigolo. Well, and he was so tall because he was next to Tom Cruise. Yeah, that's true. like, wow, look at how short Tom Cruise really is. Because, like, <laughs> Keanu Reeves just towers over him in the Matrix movies. Well, yeah, how Joey tall is Pants. Keanu Reeves, though? Oh, probably like six foot or something. Like, Tom Cruise is like five six. That's true. Like, What's wrong with being five little, six? He's just a little tiny baby guy. For being, baby. for being Dick Trickle and being all these action heroes, you've got to be taller than that. Right. Well, I don't think so, man. I mean, it seems to be working out for him. <laughs> I guess so. He's had an okay career, I guess. Keanu Reeves is six one. See, Tom Cruise is listed at five seven. Listed. There's no. What's chance. his reach? <laughs> <laughs> In a fight, what's his reach? Give me the. Keanu Reeves. I feel like Keanu Reeves would not want to because he's like very pacifist he's but very zen yes i feel like if they if they get gotten to fight keanu reeves would beat his ass oh no no question I, okay. keanu reeves is more is more is more neo than tom cruise is maverick yeah i you agree know? with that tom cruise is more like the guy from um edge of tomorrow or live die repeat Whatever, I don't know. They're, whatever they're calling that movie with Emily Blunt where she's a badass and he's doing oh, the Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's more of that, like, just kind of like a Hollywood know-nothing, like, you know, all on screen, not in real life kind of a guy. God, I love Emily Blunt. I know that was off topic. Oh, but... you know what? As of tomorrow, I'm recording with, uh, with Mr. Cameron Rice, a uh, first time in a long time, we're doing A Quiet Place with Emily Blunt. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, man, I fucking love that movie. Did you? <laughs> oh, I did so much. It scares the shit out of me every time I see it. Okay, I'll watch it. We and did watch Jack Ryan. Well, and it's, and it's uh, written, well, co-written and directed by John Krasinski. Right, that's why I brought up the Jack Ryan thing. Yeah, which I think is so, like, you know, this is old as of uh, the release of this, but... That is a movie that is so good at setting everything up and then paying it off, but not making it be obvious. Okay. Like, there's, like, one or two obvious things in there, but then when it pays it off, you're like, oh, fuck, I didn't think they were going to do it like that. Gross. So. Okay. I just think it's cute that they wanted to make a movie together, and they're like, do you want to make a rom-com? And they're like, nope. <laughs> well, they they do in the uh, in the extra footage stuff talk about how they got to make this movie together. Yeah. And it talked about how he read the script and decided, well, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to star in this and I'm going to direct it. Good. And then he let her read it because they were flying somewhere together and she read it and was like, You're not casting anyone else in this movie. I'm I'm playing this role. If she said that to me, I'd be like, Yes, ma'am. Yes. Mary Poppins, whatever you say. Oh my god, I can't wait for Mary Poppins. <laughs> okay, we're getting off track. So risky what business. Were we Tom Cruise. Yeah. Um, yes. So 
I did like that it was, you know, that 80s, like, gotcha, um, the kids are smarter than the parents kind of a deal a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, um, I don't know. There was just, I didn't relate to any of the characters. Mm-hmm. The person I related to the most, to be honest with you, was the guy that came for the Princeton interview. Oh, Rutherford. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he just showed up and he's like super overwhelmed, but then he like has a couple of drinks and kind of makes friends. And yeah, then like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe I'll like, talk to. All right, all right, you guys seem like cool people. That's fine. That's fine. So like, that's probably the person I related to the most. I so, love it. I'm glad yeah. you didn't say Barry, the Bronson Pinchot. No, character. no. You weren't a perfect stranger. I wasn't. No, that's not, right. not perfect. That was. <laughs> so yeah, I I was just kind of. At every turn, I was like, okay, this is exactly what I'm thinking an 80s movie would be. And so it was hitting those notes, and then I was surprised at at the moments where I was actually enjoying it um, more than I expected to. So I, I actually got a, quite a kick out of this movie, and I was glad that you picked this one. So from um, the purview of like a 16-year-old teenage boy in the 80s, this is probably like one of the best movies of all time. Absolutely, yeah. If I was, if I would have saw this when I was sixteen, there, I would have absolutely loved it. Right, and so I can totally see where, you know, like where the value comes in for mm-hmm. a younger adult. Yeah, especially sure. with Rebecca De Mornay, because it's not like, you know, how I feel like, and and we'll get through this as we go through the decades, but she's sexy. She's like eighties sexy. To where she's not yeah. naked. Yeah. She's not like uh, any. She's not like real gratuitous about anything, but she's like you know mostly mostly naked. Where she's got like a a sweatshirt and that's all she's wearing, or she's got like they do the whole uh, train stuff. Yeah. But it's not like real in your face, like overt. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I can kind of dig this. When they get into the like um, the American Pie and afterwards stuff, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't really dig that as much. I was thinking about that too. Like, where, like, where in? I was trying to think of a plot of a book or movie where, where, like, step by step or like really specifically describing or showing a sex scene would move the plot along. Or if it's just like James Bond where you throw the sweater by the fireplace and make your assumptions. And if there is an importance enough difference for that. Because, like, my theory is if you want to, like, get into it, go watch 7,000 porn sites that are on the Internet. But is it is it really ever a necessity for you to be, like, really specific and gratuitous with a sex scene in a movie to move the plot along Hmm. or is it just like we should probably show them banging because they're both really attractive right yeah i like that that to where this was kind of like her stock and trade like this is the thing that she does to sort of make her way but it wasn't the thing that she was like obsessed about it wasn't a thing that she was like also sort of damaged by or anything like that it's just like yeah i like to you know i have sex for money well and and she what she did she didn't want to talk about her past and mm-hmm. like, cause she's like, you're just going to judge me and I don't really need you to do that. Like I am fine with myself and, um, I don't need you to be like, Oh, why'd you drop out of school? Cause like I, I'm okay here. 
Yeah, exactly. And I like the fact that, you know, when we basically when we meet her toward the beginning, she's running away from her uh, from her pimp, basically. Right. And she's like, no, I need you to go. And she's like, yeah, he can be crazy or whatever. And, And then she just sort of decides, you know what, maybe I should just be done with that. Maybe I shouldn't put up with this anymore. Right. And I was like, well, yeah, fucking A. <laughs> well, I think she had probably thought of that before, but had not had the opportunity to hide in a giant house with, like, a strapping young yeah, man. With someone that's, like, near her own age and right. uh, is Tom Cruise. Yeah. yeah. Is there a problem here? Like, oh. <laughs> He's got the yeah. shape on. He must mean business. That's right. He's uh, trying not to let you just walk into a, a stranger's house. Right. Joey. Joey Pants. Um, or Guido. Guido's such a dumb name for him. Like, he does not look like a Guido to no, me. not at all. Such he a looks skinny good. little guy. He looks like his name should be, like, Steve. Or exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I kind of really enjoyed the movie, sort of despite myself. Like, I just really sort of uh, was taken by it. And I think that it's one of those where if I waited a couple of months and was like hyping it up to an L or something, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, this movie's so good. And then we watched it. I'd be like, wait a minute. What did I think that was so good about this? Right. It'd be kind of one of those to where it was just like the right time and the right day and the right mood and all that sort of stuff to where I really sort of dug it. Yeah. There's actually a movie coming up that we're, we'll talk about that was the same thing. Like by literally any circumstance if if i if you would have said like watched it and been like rachel would not enjoy this movie i'm sure and i would have said the same thing but like i just happened to watch it one day and i was like oh my god i'm so invested in this movie right now <laughs> it's, just, it's so crazy and, like depending on the mood yes how much a, a movie can make a difference like even brad came downstairs and he's like are you watching this? I'm like, I am sorry. Like it's almost over and I know it's ridiculous, but like I am in it to win it right now. Like, I'm sorry. I love it. This is the, this is all the explanation I ever needed for why you didn't enjoy old boy right here. It was just not the right mood. (laughs) Not the right time. (laughs) Not the right movie ever. How about that? It's just quantifiably a great movie. And Rachel just wasn't in the right mind frame at the time. Ugh. You mean unconscious? I love it. Okay. Well, anything else about Risky Business before we wrap up our first discussion here of the young adults in the 80s? No. All right. If you have any comments for the show or movies that you think that we should talk about, you can email us at plainlabelpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow the show over at Twitter. Our handle is at plainlabelpod. You can follow me over there. I'm at ericwilliams79. We also have a Facebook page and an account on Instagram. You can find both of those by searching for Plain Label Podcast. And if you wanted to help the show out a little bit, you could check out our Audible link. You could check out our uh, show notes where it'll have a link to Blue Apron. And you can check out our show notes again to find our uh, wish list for Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a bunch of stuff on there that I've said in previous shows that you could buy, Rachel, that would greatly improve our uh, improve our show. So yeah. she'll have to just wonder what those were. So mm-hmm. thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with another discussion of young adult films in the 80s. 